Hey, this is Ryan Miller. I'm the lead pastor of Local City Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope this talk encourages you, inspires you, and reminds you that there is always hope. That this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, local city. I know we're uh, I know we're doing great. I don't need to ask you. Um, what a morning so far, huh? Worship has been good. Communion. Um, man, God is here. God is here. I just want to make space for that because that's what we're talking about today. What's been on my heart for the last two weeks as I've kind of been preparing this message is just. Um, I don't usually feel this heavy when I speak like burdened. I can't explain it. I've never felt that way before. So um, I just know that God, God wants to know you and be known by you deeper today. There is revelation to be found here in his word, not because of me. There's nothing special about me, but God is here in this place. And I just want to encourage us to press deeper into that, to, to take a moment right where you're at, whatever is going on, whatever's waiting for you when you leave, and to just stop and pause and just meet with God right now where you're at. Even as I'm talking, surrender things, push stuff to the side and just say, hey, I just, I know God right now, if I get a touch from you, everything changes. And this morning, we're, we're, we're talking about prayer. We're closing out our 21 days of prayer and fasting and and we've mentioned this verse a few times in the last few weeks, and it's, it's the Lord's Prayer. And, and I think that there's two words right at the beginning that we can, we can skip right over, and we can jump into the heart of what we want to discuss with God and the nitty-gritty and all the details, and we can miss what I truly believe as I've studied this and been patient and sat in it for the last two weeks is why we're really there to begin with. And that's our Father. Our Father. I think sometimes we can blow right past it and, and miss so much that is wrapped up in those two words for us. And so, as I was reading this week, I, I came across this passage in Proverbs, and Solomon challenged us as in, in Proverbs 4 to, to ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Over the last 21 days, I hope we've, we've done that. And if we haven't, I hope moving from our 21 days, I hope we look back and we reflect and we ponder and we linger and we ask God to, to reveal to us what he's been doing, to lead us in new ways, to establish new habits. I will tell you, ponder is a surrender word. I'm surrendering my time. I'm surrendering my agenda. I'm surrendering what I think is best or my control or my plans I'm just going to sit with you, God. The psalmist David, the psalmist David says, um, be still and know that I am God. Not the other way around. It's not about gathering knowledge first and then I'll come to some stillness. No, it's let me, let me get quiet. Let me ponder. Let me linger. Let me just sit with our Father. And then let me establish my ways. That's a labor word. But notice the order. It's, it's surrendered labor. Let me establish new ways. Let me walk in something. Let me be intentional. 
And so I would just encourage you, I, I felt a little prick from the Lord this week as I was kind of looking forward to ending the fast and thinking like, ah, oh, finally, we're going to make it to the end. And I felt God's Holy Spirit convict me in that moment and say, end? This is just the beginning. I mean, this can be the end if you want it to be the end, but I have more for you. This is a place I'm sending you from. It's not, it's not a place of ending. And so I would just encourage you, whether you did one day or 21 days or you haven't done any days, to just understand that when you sit and linger and ponder and be still before God, that's a sending place. And so I would just encourage you as we dive into our Father, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9 through 13, we just, we linger a little bit today. We not rush right through it. We say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I think there's so much power in those first two words. And that's where we're going to linger today. That's what we're going to ponder today. Our Father in heaven and his holy name. Would you pray with me? Lord, our Father, we wait on you. We're not rushing to the rest of our prayers. We're not moving from point to point casually. We're going to sit and be still and trust in you. Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit would bring revelation this morning, that the words that are meant to be heard from people would be spoken, that it would be not by my might or by my power, but by your Spirit. Father, that there would be revelation and revival in local city church and in the city of Tampa, and that your kingdom would come. Your will would be done. Not our agenda, not our ways, not our control, but that we would be fully surrendered to the labor that you have for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, local city church, I don't know if I introduced myself, and I'm famous for not doing that and forgetting. So my name is RJ. If you haven't met me before, I, I help out on a couple of our teams here and serve at local city. And every once in a while, pastor lets me uh, share and, and bring the word. And um, I will tell you, for the last two weeks, like I said, I've, I've just been really, really awestruck at these two words. And the inspiration for this is, is not my own. Um, I did kind of build out my own message, but the structure and the credit goes to another uh, person. Tyler Staten wrote a book, and they'll flash, flash it up there, called Praying Like Monks and Living Like Fools. And if you know me and you've had a conversation with me, you probably won't walk away without a suggestion of something to read or listen to. Uh, I'm just a, I like to think of myself as a resourcer, um, or I just talk a lot, or both. But I've really, really enjoyed this book. Um, I had not heard much about Tyler Staten, and uh, reading this book has really encouraged me. And, and one of the things that he does is almost chapter by chapter really dive deeply into just little phrases or little words in the Lord's Prayer and what they mean to the believer on an individual level and the church as a whole. Um, and so I, I was really awestruck by a couple of the things that I was reading, and I shared that with Pastor Ryan, and he said, our church has to hear this. And I said, okay, let's, let's, uh, let's move this conversation from a, a circle back to a row. Um, and so I just want to encourage you today, uh, there's nothing like God's Word. But 
there are some great pastors and great resources and great opportunities out there for you to be encouraged through reading and podcasts and journaling and, and Bible studies and the Bible app. And I would be remiss if I didn't encourage you, if, if you took away some things for the fast, like Instagram or Facebook or streaming or whatever, I would just encourage you, you there's no rush back to those things. You know, if you need a resource or you, you have uh, seen God move in a certain way, I would just encourage you to, to press deeper into that, to stay on track with the plan, to join the one-year plan the church is doing, to join a circle and get active or, or read a book or, or get invested even further in the kingdom of God. Because as I said earlier, I really think the heart of the conversation today and what God wants from us is to be known and to know. And so that's where we land with our Father, I think that um, we need to build out a little context here. Um, in, in, in praying our Father, Jesus invites us really to remember three things at the beginning of our prayer and our conversations with God. Um, but I think we need to pause and recognize the context of the conversation. Jesus tells his disciples after being asked, right, how do, how do we pray? Jesus says, well, well, you pray like this. Our Father. I kind of imagine, knowing the context of the era, that there would have been like a record scratch at that moment, and the disciples would have taken a step back and asked some questions and almost wanted to interrupt him before he continued. Because these are, these are teenagers, these are young men that are, are maybe some are well-versed in the Torah, maybe some are not, and the Torah being the, the Hebrew uh, Bible and the first five books of the Bible that we know today. They would not have just been okay with Jesus saying, our Father. They knew God as something holy, sacred, powerful, almighty. I mean, these are young men that grew up on the stories of their ancestors being led by a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, of God closing up the Red Sea on the Egyptian army as their ancestors walked through on dry ground, David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den. This was not an Our Father God. This was an almighty, powerful, to-be-feared God. And so what Jesus does here is, is, is really quite scandalous in a very Jesus way because he, he gets to that, right? He says, our Father in heaven, holy is your name. He, he recognizes the place of God and the holiness of God and the majesty of God, but he adds a layer to it. He, he says, yes, our Father is those things, but he's also desiring to be intimately known in a very special way. You see, God as our Father makes him as intimately knowable as he is holy and powerful. And, and, and really what I want to encourage you with is, is this is where the enemy will seek to deceive you and get you off track. Because if he can't make you not believe in God, he'll make you believe the wrong things about God or see an incomplete picture of who God wants you to see him as. We see this in the Garden of Eden. For the first three chapters of the Bible, God is referred to as Yahweh Elohim, Lord God. Th this, is, this is a little bit scandalous, like Jesus is our Father. He, he, he comes to Adam, his creation, and eventually Eve, and he gives them a name to call him by, not just a title. 
And in fact, this is why it's so scandalous. The Hebrews of that day, and even religious Hebrews to this day, religious Jews will not say the name of Yahweh. They'll replace it with Adonai. And so we need to understand that when God is, is, is having Jesus declare to these disciples that he is their father, this is a game changer. This is a major theological shift. But what do we see in Genesis 3? He continues to walk in the garden with Adam, build an intimate relationship, Yahweh, Elohim. And then when the serpent shows up on the scene, he doesn't say Yahweh, Elohim. He just says Elohim. Not did Yahweh God say that. It's, well, did God say that? And he deceives Eve in that moment as he shows up and says, did God really say not to eat from that tree? And Eve takes the bait. Before she even eats the apple, she says, well, God did say, and she drops the Yahweh. And I think we need to get a revelation of that, that how we look at God matters. Because what happens is, is when she drops the intimacy, when that layer is removed and it's only holy, almighty God that's maybe not as knowable or not as intimate, then she steps into sin. And A.W. Tozer says this, sin has many manifestations, but its essence is one. A moral being created to worship before the throne of God sits on the throne of his own selfhood and from that elevated position declares, I am. How do I say that simply? We take Jesus off the throne of our hearts and we put ourselves in that place. And, and, and what do we see? What's the deceit of the devil? Once he gets Eve to not believe rightly about God, Eve, Eve believes the lie that, well, God just doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you on the throne of your heart. So, yeah, go ahead, take a bite. We have to understand that God is holy and powerful. In Psalms 19, it says reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. We don't want to take anything away from the majesty of God. But we also have to acknowledge that Jesus, in acknowledging his holiness and his place in heaven, also said we can know him as our father. The second point, Jesus invites us to remember who we are. See, when we recognize God as our Father, it changes the game. Now we've got this spiritual authority and intimacy that we've restored, and now all of a sudden, I'm not just a human, I'm a child. I'm a child of God. I have an identity that's rooted in my understanding and my declaration in my prayer of our Father. It's implied that once I own you as Father, I become son or I become daughter. I think there's a, a, a beautiful passage of Scripture that kind of lays this out for us in Luke chapter 15. It, it's a story known as the story of the prodigal son. If you've been around church for a while, you've probably heard this story uh, and, and, and seen it taught or, or, or dove into. And in this particular story, it's, it's really interesting. There's, there's three stories in Luke 15 that Jesus tells to share about what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And the first two are really, really tiny, about a coin and a sheep. But then he spends an enormous amount of time saying that the kingdom of heaven, you know what it's most like? It's most like this father and his kids. And he tells this story about a father and these two sons. The two sons are in totally different spaces and places. They're, they're, they're both 
absolutely children of the Father, but mentally, emotionally, socially, they couldn't be any further apart. The younger son, right, comes to the Father at the outset of the story and says, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And so the father agrees and gives him his share of the wealth. This is absolutely taboo. I mean, as a young man, as a young Hebrew man, of course, you're going to get an inheritance upon your father's death. But to walk up to him and say, hey, I want what's coming to me now is essentially telling your dad, hey, you're dead to me. I don't have any use for you, but I do have use for your money. So can I get what's mine now? Because I know better and I'm going to go take care of my stuff. And, and so this young son gets the inheritance from the father, goes off to a foreign land and wastes it away, absolutely, doing whatever he wants, however he wants to do it. And at some point, he ends up in a pigsty, right? Which, again, going back to the Jewish tradition in the context of the time, would have been the absolute worst place to find yourself with unclean animals rolling around in the mud, eating leftovers, stuff the pigs wouldn't even want to eat, which pigs eat everything, so that's pretty, pretty tough right there. He comes to his senses, though. We see this in verse 17. When he finally comes to his senses, he says, At home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. I think it's so interesting, this language. Because this, this is the first time we see the younger son in the story actually address his father as father. After he's gone through it all, after he comes to his senses, but even still, again, we see that just slight shift. I'm not worthy to be his son. I guess I'll go back and try to achieve the status of servant. Convince him of maybe some worth in me. And so, again, in his own strength, in his own power, he comes to his senses and he returns to the Father. And there's this beautiful picture of him returning. He comes and he says everything that he rehearsed. Right? Father, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And I love that the picture of the father is that he just completely ignores everything that he's saying and wraps himself around his son and hugs him and kisses him and says, my son who was dead is now alive. The one that's been gone has returned home. Let's throw a party. And, 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 and in this moment, we see this embrace with this younger son being identified by the father rightly as son, and finally, for the first time in his life, accepting that title, knowing that he's not worthy, but he's receiving it anyways. Jesus invites us in saying our father to remember who we are. When we imagine God as something less than father, we're imagining ourselves as something less than son or daughter. And we can't cheapen that. It's, it's, the, it's the mystery of, of Scripture and God that we are absolutely not worthy, and yet by the power of Jesus we are. And so we can't afford to sacrifice that sonship or daughtership because it's there to be had. 
We think we've got to shuffle up and say some rehearsed speech and talk to dad and say, oh, I'm not worthy of... And, and he's like, no, none of that. Let me wrap my arms around you. He's holy. He's powerful. He's reverent. Yes, but he's our father. So he wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. Not worthy, but accepted nonetheless. The third point here is, is where we see a shift in the story. And it, it, I've always wondered about this, this, this parable of the prodigal son. Jesus, that would be a pretty good ending, right? The son comes home. We all get emotional. There's a big party, period, maybe exclamation point. That's not where Jesus ends the story, though. And it, it, it's always intrigued me, uh, this particular passage of Scripture, because there's seven more verses attached to this story about the older son. And so what I think we learn from this particular piece of Scripture and what we see here is that when, when we are willing to recognize God as Father and ourselves as son and daughter, we're also invited to remember who we are to each other. Twist ending here, right? Jesus gets us. He says, there is an older son, and, and he missed the homecoming. He's out in the fields working, doing his father's work. And a servant comes to him and says, your brother has returned. But he's angry. He's upset. He's frustrated. That guy? He said dad was dead. He's, he, he said, you're no brother of mine. He left. He took everything. I've never even had a party. And this guy gets the fattened calf. Never said that before. But. <laughs> it's interesting that the servant was able to identify the younger son as brother. But the, the heart of the older son was, was hardened towards him. And, and Jesus says this about the, the father rushes right out of course he loves both his sons and he tries to convince him to come into the party and here here's here's where we catch it here's where we see it the older son says this son of yours not brother the father says, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate this day. For your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. This, this is the, the beauty of the story where Jesus says, no, listen, I know there was chaos. I, I know it didn't work out the way it was supposed to work out. I know you feel slighted. This is not my son. It's your brother. It's your brother. As much as I am his father and he is my son, you two are linked together. You see, acknowledging God as our father and not just my father helps me reconnect with the sacredness in others. The very first word of the, the Lord's prayer, he knew what he was doing. He put us all in this together, not as single, solitary individuals operating in our own capacity and our own strength to do things independent of one another. No, it's our Father. We see the parallel in Genesis. 
right? Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit. They realize their nakedness. They're ashamed. They hide. They, they cover themselves. And, and what does God do? He shows up trying to seek that intimacy with them. And he's surprised. Who told you you were naked? Adam, Adam doesn't say my wife or my helper. What's he say? He says, this woman that you gave me. Read the text. That's what he says. The woman says, this serpent. And then three or four verses later, God says, no, this is your wife. This is your husband. I don't need you to see her as this woman or what she's done or what she's accomplished or not accomplished or how she's operated in the flesh or what she's sought or found or how she's disappointed. No, she's your wife. She's not this woman. No, he's your brother. He was dead and he's alive. And if you really know me as father, then you know I love my children. So when one of them comes back, we have to party. Because that's, that's my son. That's my daughter. That's your brother. That's your sister. See, I, I think that our father, at the beginning of our prayers, it sets us in a different mind space. It realigns us vertically with God. It, it, it lends us a different perspective. You see, everything else about my prayers may change, but the anchor of my prayers has to remain the same. It has to be our Father. Because all the other stuff that we see in the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, his will is going to be enacted differently in each of our lives. Give us today our daily bread. The needs and provisions that we have from day to day and season to season, those will change. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. The things that we need forgiveness for and the debts others owe us will shift and change our temptations, our hardships. If we enter into prayer and run straight to all of those things, we're running all over the place. And we're going to start to be driven by feeling and emotion instead of being led by our Father. How is his will accomplished in my life? It starts with our Father. How are my debts solved? How on earth do I forgive people that I've never forgiven before? Our Father. How do I break through this temptation, this barrier, this obstruction, this thing that's been weighing me down that I've almost wanted to believe is my identity and not just a thing? Our Father. Always holy, always present, always in control, always intimate. See, when our Father goes before us, all of a sudden, the impossible seems possible. When our Father comes at the front and goes before us, all of a sudden, the things that we didn't think we could ever forgive were softened to. When our Father comes before us, the things we never thought we could do, we can do. And, and I don't know how to explain that other than to say it's a mystery of the faith. But I know that I know that I know that God wants to know and be known by you. And so if, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to make space for that today. Because he's not just some holy, all-powerful being of the universe. He's all those things. 
how did Jesus tell his disciples to know him, to pray? Where did he tell them to start? It was with our Father. And so I just want to give you space today, if it's your first time stepping into relationship with him. It's not religion. All holy, all powerful, that's religion. Our Father, that's relationship. I just want to make space for that today. And so if you would say yes to Jesus for the first time today, I would just, I would just ask that everybody bow their heads, close their eyes. We'll pause. We don't need to rush this. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now in this moment and, and is telling you, no, I'm, I'm, I'm safe. You can trust this. It's true. He is our Father. I would just encourage you on the count of three to lift up your hand and say, no, I'm going to take a step of faith today. I'm going to believe that this is more than religion. I'm going to trust God at his word. I'm going to believe that he is our father. And I need to take a step deeper into that today because I know I can feel it that there's a God who knows me and wants to be known by me. So on the count of three, if that's you today, if you would say yes to Jesus, lift up your hand. Not so that there's any sort of show or anything like that. I just want to pray for you. But I think there needs to be an outward step of faith to reflect what God is doing on the inside. On the count of three. One, two, three. Raise up your hand. Amen. Amen. All of us together, for that one person that raised their hand, for that one lost sheep, for that one brother that's coming back to the family that we can celebrate and throw a party for, let's say this together. Dear Lord, I give you my life. I trust you as our Father. We say it this way at Local City. That's not the only prayer you need to pray, but that's the beginning of something beautiful, and that's why we do what we do every week and every Sunday is so that people can have an opportunity to have an experience with not some off-in-the-distant, all-powerful, all-knowing creature of being and majesty, but so people can have an intimate, loving experience with our Father so that they can know that there are brothers and sisters around them encouraging them in the faith. Join a circle today. Step into the family of God. Get involved. Get plugged in. Know him deeper because he wants to be known by you. Let's respond in worship. Would you stand to your feet with me and just respond to what God's done today to lean into him deeper as our father and worship him together for just a few moments. And if you need prayer, I want to encourage you, come down to the altar and get prayer. Don't leave this place the same. Leave different than how you walked in. Be encouraged by what God is doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you so much for joining us on the Local City Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just heard and allow it to go deeply into your heart. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Local City Church. Your generosity makes this podcast possible and creates life change for so many people. You can be a part of spreading this message by going to localcity.church give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this message with your family and friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you. Have a great day.